back to being a true fan. Right. <laughs> I live matters. and die. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. We're just these guys, you know. We're talking mm-hmm. football this morning and why Lance doesn't watch the Steelers live. Because <laughs> I'm a true fan. Yeah. I, I Your mean, heart is so in it that you can't deal with no reality I, in real time. I, I, I truly... <laughs> I'm I'm being dramatic. I live and die by them. But when I was in graduate school, I really that's when I really noticed it is um, that I'd watch them on Sunday and if they won it's not doing it. He's trying to to get it was the for a minute. Coffee pouring in the cup sound. Um, so everybody I just want knows. everybody to experience it with me. But yeah, no, if I if they won, then, you know, for the next three or four days, I was walking on cloud nine, great mood. But if they lost yeah. for the next three or four days, I was yeah. down, depressed, irritable. <laughs> and it was impacting my ability to study. Yeah. And so I, <laughs> I started a, a thing where I would get ready for the game. I'd put a VHS tape in and hit record. Gotcha. And as I watched the game, if it started going south, I would turn off the TV and go do something productive and come back later and kind of right eye the box scores. And mm. if they won, then I'd hit rewind and watch the game. If they lost, I'd just hit rewind and get it ready for next week. <laughs> Not even watch it. Not even watch it. That, that, that's, <laughs> I, you know, that's, um, I'm so invested. Yeah. Was so invested in, in how well they did. That, uh, was? Was. I mean, you still do the same thing. I, yeah. I, I didn't Is watch it? it last night because I knew <laughs> if they lost, I'd have been, you know, laying there in bed feeling irritable. But if they won, I would have been laying in their bed not being able to go to sleep. Yeah. So my buddy Brad, he's the same exact way. Mm-hmm. Other than the fact that he's also spoiled and he can watch a whole game in like 15 minutes when he DVRs it. Right. Skip everything else. Um, he's the same way. And I can never talk to him like the next day because sometimes he'll wait several days. So I can never talk to him. And about when it's, yeah, about the game. And it's such, it was such a good game. And I know he would be super thrilled, but I can't even, I can't even give him a hint like in the way I asked the question. Oh. Did you watch the game? I can't say it like that. And did you watch the game? You know, <laughs> he doesn't, he gets mad if I do. Right, right, right. And so, um, did you, so do you know? What happened? I know they won. Okay. That, that's all I know. Yeah. And, yeah. and I know I uh, saw that it happened in the fourth quarter, so. Yeah, it was a great game. So um, Yeah, you should watch it. <laughs> now, well, yeah, now, <laughs> I'll watch the highlights. I like, you know. Yeah. I'll watch the highlights. I won't watch the whole game. I'll watch the highlights. And I don't yeah. have three hours to sit. And, right. But I, I will watch the highlights. But Brad, it's Yinsberg. Yinsberg. It's Yensberg. Yep. How are Yens? YouTube channel. It's Yensberg. Okay. This guy takes uh, Steeler football clips and turns them into just incredible videos, movies. Gotcha. With, with that powerful orchestra music behind that gets your hair standing up, makes you want to run into battle. That's cool. He he does a great job of putting together video clips and. So you just wait to watch it's Yensberg. Oh, yeah. And you're good to go. Yeah. It's like, Way more entertaining than watching me, a whole game. Makes me want to flex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Punch somebody. Work out for five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I've got an interesting day ahead of me. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see that I don't normally dress like a pastor. (laughs) (laughs) Mike's normally in here in Hawaiian gear, Mm. T-shirts, flip-flops. Yeah. Um, Today he's he's decked out and and into the nines with a nice button-up white collar shirt. Yeah. Stitching on the collar. I don't have my tie on yet. His his belt is lined up with a zipper. Isn't that something? He's got it all together. That is something. So earlier this week, I've done somewhere in the neighborhood of, it's right around 300 funerals, officiated 300 funerals. And this in particular, this one Mm -hmm. is one that I will always remember, not just because of what's going to happen, I believe, but because of how it came about. Sure. So earlier in the week, my dad gives me a call and he says, hey, uh, I got a call from Sherry down in Mulvane and uh, Florine Bowen was her name. Florine uh, passed away. Oh. 97 years old. Wow. This is a woman that... My dad, he grew up down in Mulvane, but only up until the age of like seven years old. Then they moved to Wellington. Mm-hmm. The Snows moved to Wellington. <laughs> he uh, would hang out with this young man named Eddie. Eddie was the son of this Florine. Well, so even though they moved away at age, my dad was around seven years of age. Right. Then he still stayed in contact with Florine all the way up to today. How do you, how did you do that back then? Letters or? Well, now I'm sure there was a gap in years where he, like as a nine year old, he probably wasn't sending her letters and all this, but when he became an adult, sure. He, he just stayed in contact. Sure. My dad is 76 years of age. Does not look it. Nope. Not at all. So for that long, He has, they, the family told me this yesterday. He has consistently sent her uh, cards, Christmas cards, birthday cards, uh, notes. One of them said flowers. Um, It's pretty amazing. Right. I don't have any friend's mom that I do that with. (laughs) It really has challenged me. (laughs) But that was clearly something very. Very special, yeah, about Florine. And so as I sat there, uh, well, no, we got to back up. So he calls me, he says, Florine has passed away. And I got a call from Sherry, and Sherry says to me, do you think you would be willing to do the funeral service? Hmm. She says this to my dad. And even though he could, he says, I don't think I'm qualified to do that. <laughs> and then he said this, but I know somebody who might. So he calls me up sure. and he says, Hey, Sherry. Cause I know Sherry. I grew up with Sherry. We were never really super close, mm-hmm. but we were in the same grade. Mm-hmm. And so, and I had run into her recently out at Boeing where our band was playing a gig out there. 
uh, red spirit. And so he says, I'll ask Mike. And so I try as much as I can Mm -hmm. to always say yes. If someone asks me to do a funeral, even if I've got something else going on, if I can cancel that or put that off, I will say yes to funerals. Sure. There have been times where I've had to say no, but it's been very, very few. That's how you get to 300 funerals. Not in a ton of years, but I I said, sure. I said, I, I think I can do that. So uh, I ended up going down yesterday. So the funeral's today at 1030 this morning. So yesterday I'm sitting there in Mulvane getting stories from the family right? so that I can, I, I had never met Florine. But in I wanted all these years. Yeah, yeah, in all these years. As close as my dad was to yeah. her. I had never met her. But I met her yesterday through her family. And I got uh, some great stories, but and I'm gonna get to why I'm so excited to do this. But I'm sitting there and all of a sudden her daughter in law, one of her daughter in laws, says, and I tell you what, if you don't mind, um, there's going to be a poem reading by one of the great granddaughters. And while she's reading that poem, if you could go ahead and just accompany her on the guitar. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was in there looking at her. What makes you think I can play the guitar? Yeah. What, what makes you from? assume <laughs> that I play the guitar? So I asked her that question. Yeah. Uh, not in that tone of voice. Right. <laughs> but I said, what the? I said, so just out of curiosity, what makes you assume that I even play the guitar? She says, somebody told me you play the guitar. So in Mulvane, there's still rumors going around <laughs> about me. But they had someone had been to a funeral sure. a long time ago that I actually played the guitar at. And they said, you ought to have him play the guitar. So she, she just flat out, she wasn't going to hesitate to ask at all. So I said, is there any... You will accompany. Yeah, is there any particular song that you're thinking of? And I'm thinking to myself, this is tomorrow morning. Right. I got to learn a song? Well... Let me guess. So she just said... Freebird. Yep. That's what it's going to be. Stairway to heaven. Ah. So she says, well... So George, which was Florine's husband, they were married for 50 and a half years. She never remarried. She never took her wedding ring off. Wow. So she had her wedding ring on for 79 and a half years, never took it off. Wow. You want to talk about an amazing example of commitment and just the fact that these rings are a constant reminder of that commitment. And... uh, she said, George, which was her late husband, he passed away in 94, uh, played the guitar. And so we thought it would be really neat if you played the guitar while Rhonda, the granddaughter, reads a poem that Florine wrote to her husband for this day, looking forward to seeing him again. Oh, you're going to make me cry. <clears throat> so just that moment alone... Real men don't cry. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Has me excited just to strum a few chords sure. just nice and kind of peacefully behind this poem. But the biggest reason that I'm, I'm so excited is this was a incredible woman of faith. She was, I can't even tell you how many times I have stepped into 
saying yes to doing a, a service, and it's for people who now listen. We're saved by grace. Thank you, Jesus. We're saved by grace through faith. Sure. Uh, but I can't tell you how many times I have, have asked the question, so did they have any particular scriptures that they liked or, or that, that we could read that they, they might prefer? And I'm telling you right now, nine times out of ten, the answer is mm, not really. Not really. This woman, she had pages <laughs> that she not, didn't just highlight, and she had several Bibles, wow. but she would journal. And she would, she would, they called it notebook. She would write out, I love this. And then she would write it out. And then she would have a thought. And in all of her Bibles, I mean, they were just filled with notes. And it is so awesome to know that we are walking in to a true celebration because we are celebrating life. Yeah. She, she is living more right now than she has ever lived. Today, she is in paradise. Yes. And she is reunited with her family members who were there and with George, who was there, and with Jesus. <laughs> I just get so excited to, to think about what she is experiencing. And we get to honor her today. And I'm so thankful that Dad didn't want to do it. <laughs> no, I'm so thankful that he, he gave me a call. Yeah. So I'm going to ride down with him and he and Joan today. And uh, we're going down to Mulvane. That's it's awesome. at the Smith Mortuary down there. But I'm telling you, this was a woman. And, and she, wrote, she wrote three poems. One poem to her, her late husband, uh, another poem to her sons, and then another poem that I'm going to end with that is to the family that, that she titled it, Don't Forget God's Promises. And so she is witnessing to her family right up to today. Wow. And that, and that will carry on. And it's just so awesome. And she it, very clearly, she was, she was full of character. They told me stories that we get to share. She was super ornery. Uh, she was, her nickname was Baby Doll. But she she had an ornery streak, right? And you didn't cross her. <laughs> but it's just I'm just going to enjoy this so much, even under the pressure of playing the guitar. No, I'm gonna. It's going to be great. Well, and you're not to brag on you, but you're the kind of guitar player. You're the kind of guy who can just pick it up, listen to something, be in the right key, hit the right rhythm. Well, that's you, a, you have that gift. That's a bit of a stretch, but I'll be able to pull it off. And so, the to me walking in here this morning for for Florine, she is a beautiful example of really the ultimate um, transformation of your mind. You know, we talk about thinking different, and, and you know, being changed between the ears. It starts with how you think. Well. When Paul says in Romans 12, 2, that we are to be renewed with the transforming of our minds, that's what she would do. She would, she would stay in the Word. She would be focused on her, her relationship with God. She, she was always, she had her feet on the ground, but her, her heart in the sky, her mind in the sky. And she was, she was a beautiful example of what it looks like to fully trust God in God's will for her because she renewed herself by transforming her mind. 
in the Word of God. And that's always the question for people is, you know, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. How do I change? How do I... And you know, even, you know, with you know, giving people the four fundamentals, these are the, the four basic thought processes to, to work on to create a new grounding, a new, a new base in your brain for how to think about things and approach things. It's, it's the foundation, not yep. the end. Yep. Um, how do... How does the change process even work? I think sometimes it helps to understand, you know, what I'm getting into, mm-hmm. you know, how I'm going to, you know, go through this so that so that I can move. Because you know, okay, let's start working out. How do you go from being a, a couch potato to you know a, a health a health junk, sure. health junkie or a gym rat? Right. How do you how do you make that transition? Okay, well, I'm studying these four fundamentals, and <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> but they're um, Prochaska and Di Clementi back in the '70s identified uh, what they called the trans-theoretical model of change, and it laid out, you know, uh, six stages to the change process. And whenever I'd work with people in the stress and anger management programs or any of the classes that I taught, my, my goal was not to have somebody walk in the door um, problematically and then walk out the door perfectly. Sure. My goal was always to get them to move one stage in this change model. The stages are this. The first stage is what we call pre-contemplation pre-thinking, I need to change. Gotcha. So we're at the stage of, I'm fine. (laughs) Sure. Nothing wrong. I don't need to change. Denial. So, you know, do you need to start working out? No, I'm good. You're not thinking about making a change at all. Mm -hmm. And then stage two is thinking about it. (laughs) Contemplation. Oh, maybe there's something I could do here. Maybe I could... Stand to lose a few pounds. Maybe I could start working out. So we start thinking about the change that we might want to make. You know, here we have this wonderful example of somebody who, you know, steeped herself and lived for Christ and studied the word and made notes and even prepared (laughs) that her funeral is, you know, one last opportunity to witness. Mm -hmm. And, And, you know, well, you have to think about what would that change look like? What do I want to see happening? You know, is there something to change? How would it affect my life? How would it affect the lives of those around me? And once you've kind of thought about the change and the change you might want, then the next stage is preparation. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm going to make this change. I'm going to start working out. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm, I'm going to you know, start going to church and start getting more into the word. Well, prep preparing to make that change. You know, a lot of times we, we make changes, we just do it. Okay, I'm going to start working out. Yeah. And next morning I wake up and I'm in the gym just throwing the ropes around, hitting the weights, <laughs> doing everything upside down. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and, and those types of changes never really last that long. I, I blow out a shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> Or I, you know, change how I eat and then 
I go to the grocery store on a whim and I buy all this healthy food and I stock my freezer with food and my refrigerator with it. And, and two days from now, I'm looking in the refrigerator going, there's nothing to eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's all this healthy <laughs> crap green in here? Beans and salad <laughs> and what the, you know, there's nothing to eat in here. Let's go to Taco Bell. Uh, so, you know, preparing for the change, um, you know, how am I going to go about this? You know, realistically, how often can I go to church? Uh, you know, uh, last time I was yelling about tithing. Mm-hmm. How do you move from a state of not tithing to a state of tithing? Sure. And you don't just start that overnight. Right. But you have to prepare. Okay, here's what I'm going to start doing now. You know, if it's five bucks, I'll give up a Starbucks once a week. Mm-hmm. And I'll be able to put five bucks in the bucket every week. And that's a beginning. Yep. And then from there, I'm going to look at, you know, what other changes I can make so that I can afford to begin to tithe more. And, and I, but I, I make a prep, I make a plan to work up to the stage where I want to be. So preparation is kind of getting your ducks in order, getting your schedule in place, looking at your budget. And then, the next stage, stage four, is action. So now I'm going to put my plan into motion. And it's really important to prepare. What do they say in sports? Uh, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Mm-hmm. So that preparation stage is really important because once I start, the goal is to keep going mm. You know, for a, a, at least a, a, a specified period of time. Right. Say, for example, you know, because not all change is going to be forever. You know, say, for example, I've got a lot of debt and I would like to get out of debt. Sure. Well, hopefully that doesn't take me 40 years, but I create a plan that over the next three years or next five years, I'm going to get to a, a manageable debt level. You bet. And so once I start that plan, I want to be able to keep it going. Yeah, I think so often about what I could have accomplished <laughs> if I'd have started five years ago with a plan. That, that's what was missing. Right. You're absolutely right. Just didn't have a plan in place. And so, you know, you, you spend some time in that preparation stage. You may need to talk to people, mm-hmm. you know, talk to you know, whatever it is you're doing. There are experts or there are people who've been there and done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a famous person who was very successful in his profession, um, they would ask him, you know, how did you do it? Or what school do I need to go to to be able to do what you do? And his advice was always the same over the last 30, 40 years that I ever heard him give advice on. It. And his advice was find people who are doing what you want to do and go hang out with them. Mm. You know, if you want to soar like eagles, why are you hanging out with turkeys? You know? There you go. But you, you go hang out with the people who are already doing it because they've got the secret. You bet. And, and so you come up with this plan of how I'm going to do it. And you, you create that plan, whether it's stopping smoking or losing weight or saving money or beginning to tithe, um, beginning to become more of a, a Christian, a better follower. How do I, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. Just read the book. I don't know what the hell I'm reading. Right. It's all Shakespeare to me. So how do I study the Bible? How do I get stuff out of it? So I come up with that plan and then I, I put my plan in action. And that leads 
instantly to the next stage, which is maintenance. <laughs> mm-hmm. How do I keep it going? And we plan for that. Gotcha. Because there will days you get the flu and you can't go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be times when you're, you're on a business trip and you can't eat the healthy food. And it, it's always something comes up that knocks us off our plan and then we never really get back to our plan. You bet. Yeah, everybody's going to church and then COVID hit. Yep. And then after COVID, the church attendance is not coming back up because mm-hmm. people had gotten knocked off their routine. Sure. And so maintenance, how do I maintain this? How do I get up and go to the gym every morning? How do I find that extra five bucks to put in the church bucket every week so that I'm continuing the change process moving towards my eventual goal of where I want to be. And then the last stage, and it depends on what kind of change you're making. If it is a a specified event, like I I want to go debt free. Yep. Then there's an end stage. And so I'm going to, you know, make these budgetary changes. I'm going to make these sacrifices for a three year period. And then at the end of that three year, year, three-year period, I can now stop that plan of action because I'm dealing with a new set of financial circumstances. You bet. Mm -hmm. And so the sixth stage is termination. How do I terminate this plan that I've changed, that I've put in place? Or, again, for most of us, the changes that we're actually thinking about and looking to make are lifelong changes we want to keep in place. So the sixth stage, and again, relapse. And by again, I mean, you have to understand nothing lasts forever. Right. I will never drink again. Liar. You know, that's sure. folly. You will relapse. I will never, ever do that again. And usually it's that that's the problem is when we promise to never do it again mm. because we remove that from our brain. If this will never happen again, whew, I'm so lucky. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. never going to happen again. Why do I need to make any changes to anything? It's not going to happen again. Uh, yeah. And we, since we're not preparing for those times when we will relapse, then we don't know how to handle them. Mm. And so we, we start eating the junk food again and we can never get back on the healthy food train we we stop working out and we can't get back into the routine of going to the gym we uh, a big expense our refrigerator dies and so now we got to go buy a new fridge and now we really just can't get back into our budget of, of paying down our debt we, once you know we relapse and go back to the older habits it's really hard to get back into the new change routine unless we have prepared for it and so acknowledging that, yeah, I'm not going to be reading the Bible every day. <laughs> sure. It's a great idea, but there will be times when I'll get away from it. The, the question is not how do I not relapse. The question is when that relapse, when I see it coming or when it does happen, how do I handle it Yeah. so that I get back into my routine? Yeah. How do you put guardrails up? How do you have rumble strips that reminds you, all you're doing is drifting a little bit. Let's get it back on track. 
and yeah, in, that's good. in recovery and substance abuse recovery, we'll um, talk about a, a relapse prevention plan. Mm-hmm. And so you're right that, you know, these guardrails, these rumble strips, uh, these are the signs that are, I'm moving towards a relapse. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to my meetings anymore. or I'm getting irritable and cranky. I'm sleeping in a lot more. Yep. Those are signs that if I can recognize those signs, then, and, and have a plan to intervene. I have a, a, a gentleman uh, who works in a first responder type uh, profession and he'll randomly call me and ask for an appointment and he'll come in and say to me, he goes, I have a rule that if I find myself having to take a mental health day from work, I have to call you. Mm. And that, you know, if he's, if the stress is to the point where he can't go into work that day, mm-hmm. he knows where this road goes. Wow. And so if he has to take a day off work, he has to come see me. Yeah. And so what he's doing is recognizing his relapse signs mm-hmm. and has a plan to intervene as early as possible. But then if I do relapse, how do I get, how do I make that short? How do I get back on track? If I stop going to the gym for a week, how do I get back into the gym as soon as possible? If I stop eating healthy for a few days, how do I get back to eating healthy? Yeah. If I find myself not giving to the church on a Sunday because I just I didn't have the money, well, how do I get back into the routine? And so there are these six stages to change. Change just isn't an automatic, okay, I'm going to start doing all this stuff and I'm going to be so much better. There's actually uh, some elements to kind of getting ready for the change, making the change, maintaining the change, and then you know, handling the ups and downs of keeping a, a new way of living in place. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. And every single one of us uh, would do well to put this in place in some aspect of our lives because none of us is perfect at everything. Oh, yeah. And we all, uh, deep down inside, I believe, if we're healthy anyway, we desire growth and change. I mean, we're constantly moving. We're not static. We're constantly either going forward or backwards. And so, yeah, there's a whole lot of things right there that I have. uh, In the past, I would have looked back and, like I said just a few minutes ago, regretted, but it's all ahead of us. (laughs) And it's all ahead of me. So making those positive changes. But and I, you know, you said that earlier that if, uh, when I think back, you know, if I'd have made this change five years ago, but what I hear when you say that now is instead of regret, mm-hmm. oh God, look where I'd be now if I'd have made this simple change five years ago. Uh, what I hear is you see the possibility now. Sure. Oh yeah. That, wow. Had I made this change five years ago, this is where I'd be at now. That's exciting. Yep. Because in, in a sense you're able to see and experience the beginning and the end. Right. Well, it's so easy for us to start to consider, and maybe this can be kind of a a full circle kind of wrap up. Um, I'm 56 years old tomorrow. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. So... 
I would sing you a song, but Spotify would knock us off the air. There you go. <laughs> I'm going today to officiate the service of a 97-year-old. So 41 years, 41 years, I may very well be continuing to live in this world. You have an entire lifetime ahead exactly. of you. Exactly. 40, you know, that's the potential. So why would we ever think at this age, or, you know, maybe you're a little younger, maybe you're a little older, that there isn't time to make changes that will continue to help us to grow and to move forward and if I knew the glory then, of God. what I know now, that's right. When I joined the military, the 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 idea of I could retire in twenty years, right? Twenty <laughs> 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 years was such an eternity. Yeah, exactly. The idea I'll be an old man. I mean, I could not even fathom mm-hmm. twenty years, and so yeah, I got out. Because that just, it seemed like a, an eternity before I could retire. <laughs> and now I, I look back and go, yeah. if I had a stayed in 20 years, I'd have been 38 and collecting a retirement check. Right. 38. And life's not even beginning. Nope. And so 40, you have 40 years ahead of you. And I know judges who are in their 90s still on the bench. You know, sure. Look at the politicians who are in their 80s and still working away in Congress and say what you want about their mental state, but they're up, they're moving, they're doing things, they're answering questions, they're mm-hmm. spending 12, 18 hours a day at the office. I mean, the next 40 years can, can be a full and rich and completely new life. Yep. Who was it? Uh, Senator Grassley. Everybody's kind of talking about he's eighty-five or eighty-seven or something, and you know, there's a conversation going around about maybe we ought to put age limits on these people. He runs every day. Wow. Yeah, he's eighty-seven. He run. He gets up and runs every morning. Well, look at Chuck Norris. Yeah, <laughs> the dude is in his eighties. Doesn't have a gray hair on his head. Not color. Kicking. <laughs> Kicking people in the... The Expendables 4 is coming out. Yeah. And, you know, Sly Stallone, Chuck Norris, <laughs> uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, all these guys, yeah. they're in good shape. They're, yep. they're at, you know, whether you like their acting or not, it's a different question, but they're they're performing their career, they're performing their profession, they're living life, and they're in their 70s, 80s, Yep. and doing well. Well, just like most games, most football games especially... Last night's game, the most exciting half, second was the second half. So why wouldn't the second half of our lives be the most excited? Oh yeah, especially when that is our plan. And so. right now, who, whoever you are out there, and I know some of our audience is is in their forties and fifties, mm-hmm. you literally have another 40, 50, 60 years ahead of you. What are you going to do with those next 60 years? Right. What what changes are you going to begin to work on making now to make the next 40, 50 years, you know, the most exciting and best years of your life? Even if you're 76. Right. What are the next 20 years going to look like? Brian. Mm-hmm. 
Let's roll. Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, I'm going to go have a incredibly blessed day. Well, and I, I want to give a special thank you to you for actually scheduling the funeral. You didn't schedule it around the podcast, obviously, but you scheduled it, and then you made sure that you made time to get in here and, oh, yeah. and do this podcast to serve the people that are listening to it as well as serve the people you're about to go well, the funeral for so thank you so much i'm i'm the one who's blessed so it's awesome thank you we are just these guys thank mm-hmm. you for tuning in for another week and we will catch you next week have an awesome week see you peace